Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Mobile Hunters, the king of comfort has arrived. Go to tetherednation.com and check out the new Lockdown Saddle. Over the past two years, Tethered has tested and refined a new approach to their saddle lineup. The Lockdown Saddle takes the best-in-class features from the Phantom, like the Utilibridge, Comfort Channels, and included an expandable saddle body with their Lockdown Link construction to take saddle hunting to the next level of comfort. As if this wasn't enough, they developed Lockdown Haulers, which has a slightly rigid internal frame structure, so you can easily unzip, zip, and access haulers with one hand. And if you're a guy like me with no junk in your trunk and have issues with your saddle staying put while you're walking in to hunt, the Lockdown Modular Yoke solves this problem. Whether you're new to saddle hunting or an old tree climbing veteran, go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting gear. Welcome to the Truth From Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 352. Today, I'm joined by my buddy, Dan Tudor, and we're talking island bucks off the coast of Maine. So stay tuned. is up everyone happy wednesday to you hope you're doing well hope you are feeling fine and for those of you out in those early openers hope you are slaying it already been seeing some pictures come in already of of uh fellas getting on some velvet you know i think tennessee opened i think they i forget exactly when they opened but i think they opened like a week a week ago maybe maybe two weeks ago at this point and then kentucky will be in i got some buddies that are in that area i've got a buddy who's also in little the secret velvet state if you will of, of um, Delaware our buddy Greg Litzinger is down there um, I think as I'm kind of recording this he is currently there so maybe I'll shoot him a text after this and see how uh, see how things are going but if you're out and about uh, hopefully things are uh, are panning out for you during the early part of the season I still have um, just about two weeks before my season opens um, I'll talk about that here in a second um, but this past week you know I was able to get out and do a little bit of deer work 
um, at least locally, was able to check some cameras and set a few new cameras. Um, there was one camera locally that I haven't checked. I just didn't make, I ran out of daylight. I had some stuff going on during the course of the day and wasn't able to get out until, you know, I, I guess it was probably like three o'clock or something like that, two or three o'clock and made a mad dash to try to hit a bunch of cameras that were on this one particular piece. And I made it to all of them, but one, um, and unfortunately it's, it was, just, it was just because it was the furthest away. And I just knew if I got to that one, I probably wouldn't get to the others. Um, and so I, uh, I opted to kind of skip that one. And it's actually the one that I was most kind of intrigued to check because I've never hung a camera here. Um, there were two that I was actually really interested in checking. Um, the, the one I was just kind of talking about because I'd never run a camera in this area. And so I was really curious. I thought it might be a good early season kind of spot. Um, so maybe, um, probably not this week. I might have to try to jump out during the course of the week um, this week and see if I can't check it because my weekends are kind of jam packed here up until, um, you know, things kind of get kicked off. And so, but the good news was, is there was one camera that I checked, um, which wasn't far from camera that I'd previously hung in prior years. Um, and I was guess, you know, I would, I would usually get good inventory in this one particular area. And, um, but I always felt like I was maybe just a little outside the game. Um, not just with that camera, but if I hunted in that general area, I felt like I was maybe, you know, minimum, probably 50, 60 yards, maximum, maybe a hundred yards, like out from where I really needed to be. And so this past, um, you know, early summer when I hung these cameras, I made a, I made an effort to get, you know, into a different area that I thought was a little closer to the bedding. Um, and just, it was an area where I thought there was a deer that I was chasing, not last year, but the year before I thought that he was bedded in this general area. That deer, this deer that I'm talking about is long gone, but, um, it's just one of those areas where, you know, one buck moves out another buck likely to, to move in. And so I hung a camera in there and, uh, and pulled that one. And there were, um, two deer that, um, that I believe are, that are shooters. I didn't get great. I didn't get great pictures of them just by kind of how they entered the camera. You could, I could see them well enough that it's like, and it looks like a good deer. Um, but just not a clear enough picture, um, just based on how far away from the camera they were, um, to tell a hundred percent. So I actually moved it a little bit to try to get in a position where they're kind of filtering through to get, just get a better look at what's uh, in the area. But regardless, the good news was, was that I found some acorns, um, in this spot. And that was something I was hoping for because the year that I had a decent acorn crop in this general area, um, the early part of the season, the, the activity in this area was just on fire. And so, and the other good news is, is that there were multiple bucks on this camera and they were showing up relatively consistently. So I think I'm in an area that at least for the early season, uh, could be in play. And when I say early season, you know, my season opens the 16th. So I'm really kind of talking about like the last two weeks of September. Um, cause after that things, you know, they'll hoover up most of the, uh, acorn crop by there, by that point, you know, which was historically what had happened or what has happened in the past. Um, and then, you know, there's some other areas around there that are good to hunt as you get into like the pre-rut and you know, mid October and then into the pre-rut and so forth. Um, but with that, you know, my, my early season plans are a little bit changed, um, because I'm probably going to miss the opener and, you know, I'm not going to cry a, a river over it. Cause you know, look, it's, it's likely or very possible that it could be like 90 plus degrees that day. Um, but we have our, um, annual or twice annually, however many times it happens, um, promotions day at the gym where we, you know, 
do a big kind of like hangout for two hours, roughly lots of rolling, lots of live action. And then coach gives out, you know, anyone who got a belt promotion, he, they, you know, he gives out the belt promotions and he gives out stripe promotions to people who are getting stripes on their belts and stuff like that. And it's always a cool time. Uh, both gyms kind of come together. There's a ton of people there. You get to roll with a bunch of people that you usually don't see or get to roll with. And there's just a bunch of people show up to, to do, you know, really hard stuff for a couple hours together. Um, and it's just always a really fun time and I don't want to miss it. So I'm going to probably forego hunting the opener to go to promotion day. Um, with the exception that depending on how badly I'm beat up, I may get out after. Cause this will happen at like from like 11 to one or 11 to two or 12 to two or something like that. I don't know exactly what time it's going to start, but so I could certainly get out for an evening hunt, but it just also depends on how badly I got beat up, um, during the course of those couple hours. So my season may start just a little later. So what I'll probably do is I'll probably just try to get out during the course of that week for some evenings. Um, let's see if I can't make some magic happen there during the early part of the year. So with that, we're going to go ahead and just jump into today's show. Um, have a cool guest, uh, have a cool show for you guys lined up today. I have on Dan Tudor. Uh, and we talk a little bit about how we met. It was just very, you know, a very social media meeting is kind of how, how it went down. And it was just by chance, <clears throat> by chance. And I noticed his Instagram you know, profile after we started kind of talking and it seemed like he lived and hunted the islands that are off the coast of Maine. And that's always been something that's kind of intrigued me um, just because I love water access and I feel like hunting those islands, you can be really sneaky. And I've always been curious if the deer on those islands, well, first off, what comprises those islands? Like how are they all the same? Are they different? You know, are they inhabited? Are they uninhabited? You know, so we talk a lot about that. We talk about the terrain and topography and stuff like that, that kind of you know, sets these islands up. And my assumption was always kind of like you might find better deer on these islands versus on the mainland. And I know, you know, just in talking to like, you know, look, you can find good deer in Maine, but when you think of Maine, you don't necessarily think of big antler deer. You think more so of like body size deer, right? Because I've had, you know, uh, how blood on in the past. And I've talked to, you know, uh, one or two other folks that are from that general area. And the antler size is not, you know, necessarily something that's a big talking point up there. It's oftentimes, you know, getting the the body weight of a buck just because larger body size, smaller antlers, because more of their body's resources is, you know, going to prepare them for the um, for the harsh winters that they're going to endure. And so one thing I noticed when I was looking at his Instagram profile was just like the uh, caliber of deer um, that were uh, that that he had pictures of. Um, some of him, you know, that he's killed and some of like buddies that he hunts with, you know, that, 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 that they've killed. Um, and they were really good deer. And so I was just really kind of surprised. And, you know, I was like, I got to talk to this guy cause I've always been interested in hunting these islands. Uh, I'd like to know a little bit more about it. And, uh, he seemed like the perfect person to talk to. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and just jump into today's show. Hope you guys all dig the conversation as much as I did. And as always, thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. And today I have on Mr. I'm going to butcher your last name, Tudor, Dan Tudor. Did I say it right? Got it. Yeah, right. that's it. Nailed it, man. It's almost like I've done this before. I'm a, I'm a professional, <laughs> I promise. Uh, so interesting way Dan and I kind of met. I forget, like, I think you reached out on Instagram for, for something. I forget what it was, but we struck up a conversation on Instagram and uh, of course, you know, you always kind of like someone messages, you don't know them. You all, you, you real quick kind of like Instagram stalk them, right? <laughs> you check yeah, out yeah. like their profile, like who is the person? And I saw, you know, I something Island Hunter or Island something, right? And I recognized that you were from Maine and I was like, and I immediately texted you or messaged you back and I was like, 
are you, are you killing these bucks on those, on the islands around Maine? And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, dude, we got to talk. And so that was kind of, that was, that was literally the whole lead up to this podcast was that I have this infatuation with Island bucks. I've learned a little bit about it, but I'm pretty ignorant. I like water access. You live in an area where you can do that. And that is the kind of the jam of what you do. So I appreciate you coming on, man. Welcome. Hey, thanks, Clint. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Uh, it was funny. I think uh, I was actually listening to your podcast and then I was like, oh, this is some good shit. So then I went and followed you on Instagram and I think sent you a little thing and you got right back to me and I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> We're off and running. <laughs> We're off and running. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. awesome, man. So before we jump into things, man, because I got a whole bunch of questions I want to ask you about just in general, you know, how you hunt, you know, that particular area in, in Island Bucks and just all the things that are associated with it. But before we do that, just give people that are listening a little bit of background about you, you know, where you're from, what you do for a living, things of that nature. So they get a little, little bit of a sense of who you are. Sure. Um, yeah, I was born and raised here on the coast of Maine. Um, actually got into hunting pretty late, like in my late 20s. Um, mm -hmm. Really, I got Lyme disease first. And there's a lot of the islands out here are really overpopulated with deer. And that's kind of what what leads to Lyme. Um, so through Lyme disease, I got really educated on deer, deer populations. Um, and I've always, always liked being in the woods. When I was a kid, I loved bows and arrows. Always wanted to be a hunter in some ways, but it wasn't really in my family. Neither of my parents were really into it. Uh, my grandparents hunted both sides. My great grandfather, or my grandfather, uh, was a deer guide up around Katahdin, mm -hmm. big, big mountain uh, park in, in Maine. So it's kind of in the family, but didn't right. have a lot of experience growing up. Uh, and yeah, then I worked work uh, work around where I grew up as a landscaper. Um, and now I now I manage uh, some some nature preserves and trails. Nice. So that's a nice kind of lead into like the hunting piece, right? Like, like being outside in the, in the woods all the time. Like, man, you know, that sounds like a gig that's like perfectly suited for someone who wants to be, you know, a deer hunter or who is a deer hunter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just picked it up uh, this year really. And uh, I, I couldn't be happier. I mean, nice. I basically get to look for tracks all winter and then kind of monitor activity and, right. and, uh, the season happens. So it's like you get to scout for work almost sometimes, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, don't tell my boss, but yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I had a buddy. Well, he still lives out there he's, and he's still a buddy of mine. It's not like he's, we're not friends anymore, but, um, he lives in Montana and what he did for work for the longest time is he worked for the U S uh, forestry service is what he did. Uh, and his work was in and around, I think Lincoln, Montana was like primarily where he was at. And, uh, he, uh, part of his job for at one point was like, I think, and if I, I might be butchering this, but in, this is kind of how I understood it at least was that he was doing work to get grant money to kind of build elk habitat. And then he would go out and help kind of like develop elk habitat or plans for elk habitat and stuff like that, you know, for, for essentially to increase the recruitment of, of calving essentially is what he was working on. And so he had the drop on like... <laughs> all the great elk hunting spots, you know, because like that was what he was doing for work was just like figuring out where the elk spending time, where do they need, you know, where's the habitat week, you know, where are we losing recruitment? Where do we want to kind of increase our numbers and, and stuff like that, which was, uh, which was really 
perfect when I round out the hunt with them. And I can't believe I haven't been out since, you know what I mean? Like yeah. went the one year with yeah. them and like, and after that, it's like, I went to Idaho last year and I've not been back since. And now I'm kind of kicking myself. Cause I'm like that dude. And he always kills big bulls too. Like he's just one of those guys where it's like every September, it's going to be a, you're going to get a text from him with a big bull. Like, that's just how it is, you know, but yeah, <laughs> but it's interesting. Like I've never heard of someone like when I asked them, like, you know, whether they've started, whether they started bow hunting, you know, or hunting deer early in their life or whether they started doing it later in their life. I've never heard anyone say like, yeah, I got Lyme's disease and got real into, real into deer hunting. Like it's just, it's a really interesting path. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a, it's a weird one, but I, uh, I think I got really lucky. I, I shot my first deer, um, with a recurve actually. Uh, and I think, I mean, only went out a couple times, made a good shot. Uh, Loved the experience. Kept hunting with a recurve. Missed a handful of deer. Shot a nice buck like in the ham. Just mm -hmm. kind of bounced off. Um, and then I was like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up a compound because I want right. I want to kill more deer here. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Man, starting with the recurve, that's a uh, that's a uh, that's quite the jump. You know what I mean? But you know, good on you for that. That's a uh, that's one of the things I've toyed around with recently was this year I wanted to start to make a little transition to, it hasn't fully happened. You know, this, this year I've done a lot of kind of like reading, watching videos, you know, and I'm hoping maybe next year's the year I can start to make the jump a little bit. Shoulder injury also kind of put a damper on any kind of shooting this summer, which kind of, which kind of was a bummer, but, uh, man, so, so you live along the coast, of, along the coast of Maine. Right. And yep. I guess um, this might be a really stupid question, but for a person who doesn't live there as an outsider, right? Like to me, there almost seems to be this like allure of hunting like Island bucks. Like it just sounds cool. Right. Was there, did you start out kind of hunting Island bucks or was that something that like you eventually kind of got drawn to? No, I, I started out doing that. Um, yeah. it just made the most sense, uh, with where I live and, yeah, the islands have a really long season um, because they've got so many deer. Uh, they're in what's called the expanded archery zone. So okay. we are runs from the second Saturday in September to the second Saturday in December versus the, you know, the, the mainland season, you know, typical archery dates, uh, October and then gun season in, in November. Right. Um, yeah so so it seemed like the thing to do and and again i was kind of on this like lyme disease kick where i was gonna go right in the herd <laughs> right <laughs> nice so the islands do they do they are are they are they populate because in my mind i think i think of them and i'm like they're just like chunks of well let me back up for a second how big typically are are these islands how close to shore are they like you know is it are they easy yeah. to get to or not or really all over the place, like a huge, okay. huge variation. Some of them are yeah, pretty densely populated. I, I mean, I'd almost consider it more like suburban hunting. Mm -hmm. um, others totally uninhabited. Mm -hmm. um, you got some that are that are privately owned and they've got, you know, like basically a one big estate or like a handful of estates on them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, might be like three or four houses and, you know, gardens and lawns and, you know, a couple docks. Um, Size wise, you're talking about uh, probably anywhere from 10 to 20 miles, hmm. like, uh, like, uh, I guess 
long or wide, you know, however. Some are skinny, some are fat. Right. All uh, kinds of different shapes and stuff, yeah. Yeah, all kinds of different shapes, right? They're islands. Um, to, you know, real small. Um, I mean, something you could walk around in, you know, th- maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Have you seen, so, like, where, I guess, let me ask you two questions. Which do you prefer to hunt? Like either inhabited or not inhabited, and where have you typically seen like the better like better caliber deer or bigger deer, or older yeah, older deer might be a way to say it because I know in Maine I guess that's a third question like do you get big deer like as far as like antler characteristics go there or is it much like like I've had how blood on before and I know yep. like a lot of those cats it's 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 more like body weight right because like the further north you get their their energy is put toward accruing body mass to withstand like the harsh conditions of the winters and stuff like that. And so antler size kind of starts to go down, et cetera. And I'm wondering if it's the same on the islands or is it not so much because it's surrounded by water that they don't get quite as much of like the kind of harsh weather you might get inland. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I guess first part, um, I really like all of it. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I love hunting, uh, the, the more densely populated, areas sometimes have a lot of pressure uh you get a lot of hunters and they're you know it's small quarters so um you know often you know i'll walk through the woods and i find a spot that i'm like oh this is this is a great spot and then almost inevitably there's another tree stand or two right there right yeah um so that's you know kind of a bummer but you work around it um the other like the small islands or the uninhabited islands sometimes don't receive any hunting pressure at all so Mm. it's a huge huge difference you know they're the deer super relaxed you know they've they've probably seen maybe some some people on taking picnics on the beach but and maybe maybe a hunter will show up you know once or twice a year or something but um relatively or or really unpressured Mm -hmm. uh so that's a, a big range um yeah deer size it's kind of the opposite of northern Maine. Um, the deer bodies tend to be smaller. Uh, mm. Most of the, the mature bucks that I've shot have been in the 170 pound mm. range. Um, but better, I think. I mean, you get some you get some huge, some big corkers up in northern Maine uh, with big bodies and big antlers. But out here, it's more, yeah, sort of that 170 range body. And then, you know, antlers... You know, get a lot of 120s and gets up to gets up to the 160s. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're rare and they're a challenge, but they're they're out there. Right. That was the thing that caught me off guard, actually. Whenever like we started talking, you know, on Instagram, and I and I went to your profile and was looking, I was like, I had to do a double take. So I was like, damn, this dude's from Maine. And I was like, these bucks don't look like the typical Maine bucks that I've seen before. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah. there's some good, and I know it was like, there were some that were yours. And I know you were celebrating some of your buddies' successes as well and stuff like that on your page. And so it was like, you know, I got a good view of like, man, these are just, and they were, and that's when I messaged you. I was like, dude, are these all Island bucks? And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, holy shit. And I'm like, I was like, I've really been sleeping on, on Maine, you know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I hope this, this isn't like a ploy to get people to run there necessarily. Like people go keep going wherever you're going. I'm going to go to Maine, you know, it's like in November from now on. But, uh, so it's, it's interesting. Cause I, I again, I saw some of like the pictures and I got to spend a little bit of time in Maine, um, just on vacation and stuff like that. But it was, you know, Arcadian national forest and stuff like that. 
And um, what I've always kind of imagined that the islands looked like was kind of similar to what I have in like northern northern PA, which is in what I saw like in Maine, which is like you get like these real kind of like dense areas of almost like dark timber and then you get really sparse areas of almost like where things start to die off because like you hit low lying areas where there's just so much moisture that the trees start dying off and stuff like that. And there's just not a lot of like topography necessarily. There's like maybe a little undulation in terrain like or in, in topo, but not like enough to like necessarily move deer. So talk to me a little bit about like what is that kind of terrain and topography kind of look like on the islands? Is it pretty... Is it consistent from island to island or do you have drastic changes in terms of like one island might have a ton of elevation, another island might be completely flat or just what's that look like? Yeah, it's, there is a lot of variety. Um, nothing gets too tall. I mean, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, hundred, 150 feet. Um, and some are real flat. Um, the, the vegetation wise, you know, there are quite a few, uh, cedar swamps, um, that makes up a good portion of a lot of the islands, which, you know, is great bedding, um, great winter cover. Uh, it's hard for people mm-hmm. to get in there. So I think that helps the deer get big. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, you know, depending on if it's an inhabited or uninhabited island, you know, maybe a bunch of gardens and lawns and, uh, you know, old, old apple trees, old apple orchards. You know, there's a lot of old homesteads that usually have some, some good apples. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty diverse. I'm trying to think, you know, we don't get a lot of like hard masks. There's some oaks, but they're all red oaks. Mm-hmm. And that's really depends on the island. Some islands, some islands are going to be basically all spruce fir, with maybe some cedars. Those are, so they, they don't really hold as many deer because they, they just don't have the food, but right. um, yeah, it really, de- really depends, uh, right. which, which is what I like about it. You know, you can kind of go to, the every island and it's kind of its own situation its own little uh environment you got to play them all a little bit differently um right. yeah you do kind of get a feel for it after a while as far as like oh, okay this one this is one of these uh you know conifer conifer islands low-lying cedar swamps kind of play that one way mm-hmm. versus versus you know more elevation change maybe some some more houses homesteads apple trees oak trees uh yeah kind of you know we don't really have clear cuts but there are a lot of places where the the old growth spruce have all blown down and then you get these real thick patches where you know sort of like scrub brush like barberry some invasive uh species are coming up or like raspberry blackberry and those those are pretty good for bedding too um so yeah, yeah it's, it's I was actually I was actually just going to ask that as far as like what they have for browse, but you just kind of started going because that was my immediate immediate thought was like, like if they don't have like a ton of mass, you know what I mean? It's I'm like, man, what are they eating? Like, but I'm sure you know they. I mean, they're so adaptable. I'm sure they, there's a species of tree that has bark that they probably eat at some point. You know what I mean? Like they just they're 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 the masters of just kind of adapting to whatever happens to be around them. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They love that. I mean, I I. uh I've got this like little field next to my house and I haven't mowed it now in a couple of years and it's really come up in a bunch of different weed species. I don't, I couldn't even name what's out there really. And right. that seems to be attracting them more than, more than a lot of the other stuff around. Um, right. Which has been a cool surprise. I kind of want to do that. Like about right. a food plot, it's all clover and 
rye and stuff like that. Now I just kind of wish it were more uh, like natural just grasses. Weeds. Yeah, whatever's yeah. low. Yeah, 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 man. That uh, I bet you those homesteads that have like old apple trees on them that are like gone and like the orchards are just kind of left. I bet you those on those islands are just like like shooting not not shooting fish in a barrel but like got to be money like early season when those things are dropping right away yeah that's a good a good hot spot i mean a lot of people put put cameras on those those areas because especially if it's kind of secluded mm-hmm. um because yeah you'll get a lot a lot of a lot of bucks a lot, cruising through maybe making scrapes under the under the low-hanging branches right. um yeah good place for inventory nice yeah so actually that's a great kind of segue because i didn't even think of that but like well, I want to I want to ask. So I'm going to jot this down, but I have a question that I want to ask just about travel. Like, are these like when these deer are on these islands? I'm imagining that some of the islands, like those deer, pretty much live on that island like in perpetuity. Like, there's no way to get off of it because the water's too deep around it, and they can't get but so far. And I'm imagining in other places there might be like a couple islands that might be close together, and like in, during the tide change that there might be the ability to go from one island to the next or even from one island to like the mainland or whatever so i guess talk to me a little bit about that like how secluded do you have like is that correct or is there just like a smattering of differences like some can travel between some some cannot yeah um yeah there's definitely little like clusters of islands um and i think there's a fair amount of travel between those I've wondered a lot about that. I mean, during the rut, I wonder if, if that was bucks, where I was headed. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I wonder, I wonder how much they, they jump around. I mean, they can swim like they can swim long distances. Um, I've never seen one like swimming across the bay, but I know lobstermen will, will, you know, drive, drive by them sometimes way wow. out, way out in the, in the water. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of the islands have, you know, maybe sandbars or like little shoals between the two of them. And, and those are pretty easy for them to get across. Right. I think it probably, like most places, depends on, on food, either food or the, or the rut. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So when you're doing, so how do you use, how do you use trail cameras? Like, because like, so, you know, for anyone around Pennsylvania or the Midwest or whatever, you know, for me, I don't have destination food sources, right? I hunt some big wood stuff. And so it's like, I'm more so looking for like bedding area potentially, or like the summer browse that they want to use that like becomes almost like a destination food source. And it might be like a wild blueberry patch, like on the edge of a swamp somewhere or something like that. Right. Others might have, you know, if they're lucky, you know, they'll have like a piece of public land that maybe is adjacent to like some agricultural land. And it might not be butted up right next to it, but it's like, it might be within a couple hundred yards to where it's like the deer like to travel through this little corridor back to bed from the food source. And so I can get all my inventory here. Right. But yeah. when you're on an Island like that outside of like there being like an apple orchard, but that's even going to just be like seasonally specific. Right. That's like when the, when the apples are going to drop and stuff like that. So like when you're in this time of year and trying to gra- grab inventory of, of what bucks might be in the area, like where are you hanging? Like what types of areas are you hanging trail cameras? Yeah. I feel like it's taken me a long time to get my trail camera game kind of going this, this year, this year it's working, working out pretty well for me. Um, in years past, you know, I'd hang them in kind of the places that, that people would expect and it was just real hit or miss, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and it would de- depend on the, on the, I guess on the season, you know, I, I'd, I'd get, you know, a couple of good bucks cruising through, uh, for a couple of weeks and then, and then, you know, never again. 
Um, I think because the, the islands are so small and there's a limited amount of food, everything's changing all the time. So, you know, if there's, if there are berry bushes, they're going off, they're going to go, you know, there for whatever, like a week or two, and then maybe switch to apples. And then maybe there's some good browse somewhere else. So yeah, destination food sources don't really exist except for maybe in a few circumstances. Um, I like to play basically pinch points. I think the, 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 the coastline of the islands really makes for some interesting pinch point setups. You know, you've got like a little um, drainage or like an inlet that comes in and, you know, kind of creates, you know, two or two, you know, there's two, two bigger pieces of land or two points or something. And then there's a, cove or or a draw that kind of comes in uh to a drainage and you figure you know they've kind of got to go up and around the top of that drainage mm-hmm. uh between the, between the two areas especially if those are two thick areas two you know potential bedding areas if you can kind of find find the you know like stream crossing a lot of it's like your sort of typical deer hunting knowledge mm-hmm. but you just have to adapt it a little bit to you know the unique circumstances out here right but pinch so, point. yeah so you're looking for a lot of this if you were just to look at the uh island a given island in isolation you're kind of starting it sounds like you start like almost with topography first like where can i find like these little places that are going to kind of move the deer which is very much like what you would do in a typical sense you know it's like you would start there figure out where your edges are at figure out where there's a little terrain feature that they're going to have to either avoid or go through or whatever the case is, and then kind of begin from there and like work your way back based on whatever you find there. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then we've got a lot of, uh, pretty strong prevailing winds here. Like it's, it's almost always, especially in the fall, almost always out of the West, Northwest, some Southwest on a, on a warm day. Um, you know, they talk about nor'easters in Maine, but, um, they're rare and usually when that comes in the weather's so shit right can't, can't. <laughs> yeah those are not yeah. good to be out <laughs> not a good time to be out yeah um so that plays a lot into it you know i want to come in from from the east side um most of the time uh, you know so if i can come in on the the eastern coast of an island and maybe sneak up one of those creeks or draws and kind of get to the head um and find a tree that you know, ideally a tree that has its base kind of down in that gully. Um, so I can climb right up it without getting into that higher ground ground that they're probably betting on. That's, Mm -hmm. that's, that's my bread and butter. That's, that's like the ideal setup. Okay. So I totally, cause I'm going to get to the setup. Cause that was actually one of the things I was interested in. It's like, you mentioned two things that were kind of leading me, right? Cause one was wind. Cause I was like, man, like the wind's got to be a bitch because you're also, you're dealing with wind, you're dealing with tide, you're also dealing with thermal being around the water. So there's a whole, so I want to get there in one second, but the one thing you mentioned just about since they're islands, like the food source is not being like, it's not like you have like a 20 acre food, like clover field or whatever on these islands where it's like those deer are going to be able to munch all summer long. And then like whenever they peel velvet, then they shift, you know, it's like, it sounds to me like, your shifts are happening a lot more quickly and frequently through the season to where it's like, you know, just to contextualize, like, yes, the woods are shifting all year round for deer everywhere. Like based on what their needs are, the covers dropping, food is changing, but like typically 
PA, Midwest, whatever, it's like, you know, you have your first major shift at the end of the summer when they peel velvet, right? And then you have the first like two weeks of October, acorns are, hit, are usually hoovered up by then, you know, I mean, roughly. So then like mid-October, they shift yet again. That's usually when people say that there's an October lull, but really it's just the deer has mo- have moved from like their first fall kind of core area or their fall area to their second fall area because they're chasing the food or whatever. Then you have the third shift that happens where the does become the thing, right? And, and so on and yep. so forth, right? But it sounds like you have shifts in between the shifts almost just because the food is just not so plentiful in one spot. Like they got to kind of bebop around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like they... They, they shift around a lot. Uh, looking at the game cams, it'll be, you know, kind of week, kind of week to week. You mm-hmm. know, you might get a couple. I really think it's when one different, yeah, different foods come into season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll get, yeah, you'll get, you know, a week, two weeks of, of good, good pictures of, of a deer that you're looking for. And then they'll be gone for right. two weeks, three weeks, a month. And then you're just kind of crossing your fingers. Uh, yeah. And sometimes I get lucky and they show up on another camp somewhere else. Uh, I had that happen recently where there's probably my number one target buck this year. Uh, I got, you know, I got a picture of him in December. That's when I first laid eyes on him. Got one in March. Picked him back up in July. And then those were all in the same area. And then picked him up a quarter mile away, um, you know, a couple weeks ago. I know he's alive and, and in like the general area, but it's kind of hard. Just I, I thought his, his core area, his bedding area was right, right there where I got those earlier three photos, but now it's hard to say he might just be a roamer. Mm. So what's your, uh, what's your game plan for him? Yeah. So let me ask, let, let me ask you this first. Do you have history with him bef- like prior to December? I'm assuming that you know. No, that's the first time I, first time I saw him. Okay. So yeah, what's your, what's your game plan for him then? So I'm going to hunt that spot that, that I, uh, that I've got him in those, those three times. I, there's a, there's a lot of sign in there. There's some, some, some good buck beds. Just the other day I was in there and, um, it's, it's pretty close to a nature trail. I try to use when they're, when I'm in a, in a, like a, a pretty densely populated place, I like to use, uh, other human activity and human scent in my favor so i like to hunt from the outside in and really try not to get into those deep spots uh, i think just because the way the, the way everything sets up you know they feel really safe and secure in these little pockets but they're but they're small mm-hmm. and if you kind of like break that wall and go into there they they're they're on alert and they're they're not gonna really stand for it but if you can stay on the edges where there's enough human activities people walking dogs um you know you can get around you can get away with a lot right so i'm i was on yeah hiked it on this nature trail and um was really going to try to set some some cameras up on this creek bottom and was in this spot that earlier i was like this would be a good place to uh to kind of glass this this bed that i found um and i was standing there trying to figure out where to put my camera up and saw saw something move right over where i thought the bed was it was about 100 yards away and i didn't have my binos with me but i could see you know i looked at it long enough i could see what was definitely a a leg you know Mm -hmm. like a deer stepping and i don't know i don't know if that was him there's another nice one in there that i'd love to shoot um 
and I was in this real, real dilemma because I was like, do I now do I set the camera up? Do I just leave? <laughs> do I, right. Do I just mess it up? Uh, and I was still like basically on the trail. So I don't think I don't think uh, I don't think it was a big deal. But um, I, I, I'm taking that as confirmation that he's he's there at least some of the time, even mm-hmm. though it could have been could have been a different deer. But it's a big bed. And about 10 yards away, I found a really old, I mean, it wouldn't have been his, it was like five, 10 year old shed, but it's, it's, it's huge. It's got great mass, which is one of his characteristics. So right. bigger, maybe that's his grandfather or something. And, and that, you know, they, those genetics have been in that area for a while. Right. Um, otherwise, I mean, like I said, I've got that other camera that's more, more along the lines of near some food. Um, but I don't really know what to make of that information. He was he was cruising through there at 11 a.m. and heading back toward the direction of of this spot where I think he's bedded. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got now. I'm just putting all the cameras in there that I possibly can to see right. see if I can see if I can figure it out. Try to narrow him down and figure out yeah. <laughs> where. Uh, as you were mentioning beds, I kind of was wondering. You know, is there a predominant side of an island that the bucks like to typically bet on. Cause I was just thinking from like a wind standpoint, like getting a lot of Northwest, you know, winds, they may want to, you know, they may want to bet on the Southeast side of the, because they would have all the wind in their face. And like, if the coast is right behind them, there's nothing that can basically sneak up behind them, you know, or I mean, right. they can be looking that way, of course, and the wind over the back. But I was just curious if you found any like consistency or, rhyme the reason you know where you're finding buck beds consistently yeah i i had that theory for a while too but i haven't i haven't really found it to be true um it seems i mean it is you know it's a lot of these places are pretty densely populated with with deer and with people so i think they just kind of get in wherever they can wherever they can get in um get in where they can fit in (laughs) get in where they can fit in yeah 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 Um, I do find a lot of beds and I've been trying to key on this the last couple of years where they can, where they can see where any people would be coming from. Right. And I, I'd heard that on a couple other podcasts and, and it started to click with me just cause I I'd seen like, like one time I found this huge buck bed, like right on the side of a golf course fairway. And I, I looked at it and I was like that, I mean, that looks like a huge buck bed. But I was like, it's like right, I mean, right on the side of the fairway. Um, But if you think about it, you know, it's pretty predictable human movement, pretty non-threatening. He can see a long way, Mm -hmm. probably hear him hit the golf balls. Um, So every time, you know, someone's coming, he just steps back into the woods a little ways. And otherwise, you know, he's got like a nice southern exposure, uh, you know, gets the sun, can graze on clover probably right there mm-hmm. uh yeah so i actually think a lot of the bigger bucks are doing things more like that uh and and i think that makes sense too just thinking about you know i i like to scout i love to scout i'm always in the woods um and you know I, in the in the deeper woods where there are pockets um you know you find some you find some good trails you find some good scrapes you also usually find a couple of tree stands in those spots because mm-hmm. I think those sort of conventional wisdom is, you know, you go deep, um, get in there where no one else is going to be, 
but I really think that you're probably probably disturbing the woods a lot more that way um, and and really educating them every time you go in because uh, it's a lot more unusual as far as human intrusion um, so so I actually think the the wiser bigger bucks are probably more on the edges where they can really keep tabs on on where people are coming and going right um, yeah that would make Which, that would make that would make sense you know what I mean yeah like, because at that point, they only have, especially if they have, if they have good exit routes, right? Because they're really kind of, they're really kind of cutting down on the number of ways that some, something could come up on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if they're on, if they're on close to the edges, right? It's like, there's only right. but like one or two ways that danger could approach right because i can smell one direction i'm looking in another direction like there's only one way they could surprise me and that way is not really all that good of a way for them to surprise me because they're in the wide open you know what i mean or they're right so so based on that have you changed at that point did you change like your access and how you were approaching the islands or anything yeah um yeah i really i mean i really try not to go in go in deep unless i'm shed hunting or um you know you know maybe early season but last year i had the best best season i've had and i you know i shot two one one went 130 and another one was a 123 i was i like to say i shot two pope and youngs but i didn't shoot two pope and youngs right it's close but, enough man I'll, I'll give you the two inches dude. you're <laughs> in maine on an island <laughs> yeah it was real real close um but i shot them in back-to-back sits uh, and I only went, I'd only gone hunting, I think it was seven or eight times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really had not been pressuring those areas, hadn't been into those stands before at all. Um, you know, one, yeah, I mean, you know, one, one was like right next to a tennis court. Oh, wow. Uh, and the other one was, I, I canoed to uh to an island and basically popped out of the canoe and went right up a tree and uh was there i guess i was there one night saw two bucks come by and uh at like about 40 45 yards just out of range as soon as they went by tore down moved the stand you know 10 15 yards um left came back the next evening and uh only one came by that night but nice that was the, the 130 a lot of mass long beams just didn't have a lot of time length but mm-hmm. uh, yeah beautiful deer nice yeah, yeah. dude i would stick it you know what i mean all day you know what i mean it's <laughs> like what uh so let's 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 like pretend for a second that i'm gonna come to maine and i'm gonna and i'm gonna hunt with you right or i'm gonna hunt the yeah. islands right <laughs> man you i might show up at your doorstep don't, don't be careful what you wish for man <laughs> i have a i don't know if you've seen the travel trailer but i got the hoopty wagon trailer that i travel in and hunt out of it, it might just show up on your doorstep one day oh, perfect. The, yeah <laughs> the um so if someone were to come there to hunt right like what would be like what would you kind of tell someone saying, Hey, like you're going to, you're going to come here. We're going to hunt the islands. Like here's some things you need to kind of like think about or that you need to know, or that are going to be different, right. Just to kind of prepare the person that it's, it's going to be different than maybe what you've experienced before. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good question. I mean, I, I take a lot of friends out, especially, you know, 
a handful who've never never bow hunted before. Um, and really, the thing that I always kind of have to hammer into them is you're going to be close to you're going to be close to people um, mm -hmm. unless you're on like the the remote islands. But you know that's that's uh, I usually don't take people out there. <laughs> right, that might be another good first timers <laughs> trip. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah this is more more my spots. Um, so I know, you know, I've got a good friend who comes out every year and, and he, he basically only, only bow hunts that those few days and he usually gets, gets a doe or a, he's not too discerning. So, so, you know, maybe a mm -hmm. two, three year old buck. Um, but he's always bitching like about, oh, like there's a, you know, there was, there were dogs barking or, you know, I saw people walking or, you know cars driving by and i'm like that that has nothing to do with it like these these right. deer are completely used to seeing people all of the time um right. yeah that that's uh you know i i like like i said you know the edges i think the edges are are where it's at here mm -hmm. uh i get jealous when i see these people with these perfect stands deep in the woods on like a huge scrape but right. i don't know if i don't know if they're shooting the big deer are they, <laughs> right. They <laughs> right exactly yeah. exactly so whenever you're um like when you're scouting, like let's 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 shift to just like um some of those more secluded, you know, or inhabited or non-inhabited, like the ones that are, you know, nobody's on, there's nothing on it except you and deer, essentially. You know, how are you scouting those? I mean, you know, like what are you particularly looking for? I know you kind of talked about you're looking for like that little ingress that might be coming off the bay or whatever the case is. You can kind of slip up in that little draw to a tree or whatever. But like, let's say you found a brand new island that, you know, is of normal size that, you know, not super big, not super small, has the typical vegetation that you would kind of expect to see like going to it. Um, how would you scout it to start to figure out like one, where the deer are at two, how you might start to hunt it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd probably e-scout it like like most people people do, scout a piece that they can't get to, you know, super conveniently. Um, look for bedding areas. I'd look for those places where it looks like a bunch of uh, a bunch of spruce trees had blown down, and there might be like a a raspberry thicket there. Um, as far as bedding goes, that's easier to see than like a cedar swamp. It's a little harder to identify, uh, especially if it's you know wooded. Um, and then really, you know, those pinch points are those narrow parts of the island. Anything that's going to, going to, uh, you know, concentrate movement. Um, and then, you know, access or, or good, good stand sites on that, uh, that, uh, downwind side. Um, so, so some way to access from, from the east. You know, I've got a couple of spots that everything is perfect, except they really need they really need some kind of an east wind. And mm. man, that just happens so rarely. That yeah, it's kind of it's it's like I've got them, I've got them there. That there they'd be perfect if I could get that wind, but it happens so so rarely. And usually, if we get an east wind, it's kind of a southeast wind, and it's either it's usually pushing rain up um mm. which you know hunting before a rainstorm is always dicey uh and yeah it's 
that part's that part's tricky. Yeah, you know, you gotta play the win. Right. That, that's right. Always, always what uh? So how like how much does cutting tracks play into your approach? Because I imagine with like the soft soil that's around the around the island, just in general, like whether it's sand or whatever it is. You know, I would imagine that you could probably get a beat on like if like, for example, the deer you're, you're kind of chasing. It's like if he steps out there, if you can cut his track one time, you can probably follow him around a little bit. You know, figure out like if he, if there is a sandbar or something he's crossing, you can probably see if he's crossing. Well, if you can get there before the tide comes back over, of course, and stuff like that. But yeah. how much, you know, how much track cutting, how much does that play into your overall kind of strategy and just your approach? Yeah, definitely some. I mean, more, more. um like in my winter scouting, I like to do that a lot because uh, then you can really, you know, you've got a good, good snow on the ground. You can learn so much. Um, the rest of the year, uh, it really depends. If there's a lot of deer in the area, um, you know, often you, you get in these areas where it's just hammered down and then it's kind of hard to follow one individual track. Um, but... I mean, it's definitely something. It's definitely something I do, especially if you can find a track that's you know real big or it's got some kind of distinctive characteristic. Um, and then, you know, like I said, it's 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 kind of nice because it's kind of these controlled environments in some ways. I mean, there's, everything is only so big. There's only so many places you can go. Right. Um, so unless unless the deer are doing something really unpredictable or there's just something that you're really not seeing or counting for. You you can narrow it down pretty quick, just as far as like okay, here's here's bedding, here's bedding, here's bedding, here's a pinch point, here's you know likely food sources. Right. Uh, yeah. So yeah, if you get a track that's kind of heading into a region, and then you can kind of figure out where all the possible other entrances and exits are, at least start to narrow that down. Um, then you can really really start to close the noose on them. Right. Man, speaking of like the idea that like, you know, you're dealing with but so much space, right? And um how frush how much more frustrating does it make it whenever you know he's in the area, he can't really go too awful far because he's on an island, but I still can't manage to see him. You know what I mean? Like like that would drive me crazy. You know, because it's like I know it's like I'm I gotta be close because he's he can't go but he can't go very far, but I just can't see him. You know what I mean? Like how frustrating is that? Yeah, that's real. Uh, and I mean, you know, there's, there's almost no, no glassing, you know, you, you the woods right. are so thick. You can't see, you know, usually can't, you know, if you can see 50, 60 yards, that's a long way. Uh, mm-hmm. and there's, you know, hardly any fields, um, you know, no big ag, nothing like that. And even, even the fields that are there, um especially in the pressured areas i think they just know not to really ever show themselves there i mean i i I, they're during during it during hunting season um and some of the the pressured spots there's a there's a lot of hunters uh there's a lot of trucks driving around right and and i I think they're pretty on to that um yeah so yeah, it'll it's, tick. It'll tick you off. <laughs> is is the moral of that yeah, story? <laughs> it'll tick you off. I mean, that's why it's fun, you know. If if you could just find them and and you know track them down and kill them all the time, it, that would be a, a different experience. But right, uh, it's amazing. You know what what they'll do to to avoid detection or what they'll do so they can, you know, scent check an area. Um, 
you know, play play thermals. I uh, there's a big old buck that I actually glassed on a field a few years ago, and you know saw saw where he came out, saw where he was heading, a couple nights in a row. Um, you know, moved in good spot, and and then I realized he was he was waiting until it was the the field was sloping down toward the ocean. And he was waiting until the sun went behind the trees and then the thermals switched and then all that air would roll down the, the slope and he would just wait down there to see if the if the field was clear mm-hmm. and before he came up. And he got me twice and, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's I'm done. Like he's he's on to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a smart yeah. old buck right there. He knew he knew yeah. how to play the play the game. So that's yeah. that's because I wanted to ask you about that, like how much, so I'm imagining just like hunting season, you know, especially when you get into the fall, like let's like start like October timeframe, right? Like I'm imagining like the winds on the Island are probably pretty stiff, right? Being out like in the Bay or a little further out or whatever the case is. Like, so do thermals aside from like, maybe when you get a little further inland or whatever, and maybe like an open field where you're going to get that big change of like direct sunlight and then no sunlight or whatever, like do thermals, do they play as big of a role as some might think or, or is the prevailing wind usually so strong that thermals play less of a role and less except in like very specific kind of instances? Yeah, the the wind is really, really variable, and the it all it all has a has a is a factor. The thermals, the topography, uh, the prevailing winds. I mean, you can, you know, there are places. You know, I can have a wind at my house, and then I can go hunt a spot that's a quarter mile away, and it'll be you know ninety degrees, one hundred eighty degrees different. Right. Um, you need. Usually need more, yeah. You know, more extreme topography to really drive the thermals in a in a predict in a predictable way. So you need a little more elevation or um, or areas where it's not heavily wooded. A lot of it's heavily wooded, so okay. that that kind of throws everything off too. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've got I've got one spot uh, real close to my house where there is. Uh, pretty big um elevation change kind of like a like a like a little bluff kind of mm-hmm. uh, a ridge i guess ridge and it comes down there's kind of a bench and then it drops down like another 60 80 feet um and i've got a stand that's on that that bench and it's up high enough and kind of above the tops of the trees that are in the lower section that the prevailing wind comes over kind of pops up off that on the thermals off the the slope and it's like bulletproof mm-hmm. uh, i've never had a deer wind me there they come from all directions i've shot a bunch of does out of that stand and it's just like I, I, yeah. they, they surprise me all the time and they don't they don't win me so right you can you can you can do it um but you kind of need those those perfect setups i think Right. You got to love those places, man. There was a place like that that I had uh, in this spot I used to hunt in Ohio. And I found it by accident. Uh, ended up, it was the first time I'd ever hunted that area. And I saw so many deer. They they came from every direction. 
like on me, like upwind, down, it didn't matter. And for whatever reason, because I thought I was going to get busted so many times, it's like, but I was just like completely bulletproof in that set and ended up killing like a good Pope and young deer out of that one, like the, I remember what it was, like maybe like the fourth day or some third or fourth day or something like right. that. That was after I'd screwed up on a bigger one the day before. So it was like, I was just run over with bucks, like in that spot. Yeah. And the funny thing was, I told my buddy, I was hunting with uh, this old timer. It's a friend of my father-in-law's. He and I were on that hunt together. And, uh, you know, I killed that deer. And I told him, I was like, dude, there's just bucks running crazy up there. It was during the rut. And uh, I was like, you should just go get in the same tree. I was like, I, I, I was like, I think you'll kill a deer tomorrow out of it. And so he went and I left my stand and everything in it. And uh, he went and got in the same tree the very next day and killed another buck out of it. Like, and he said the <laughs> yeah. same thing. He's like, it came from downwind, like perfectly. Cause I told yeah. him, I was like, you're going to get into the tree. You're going to think it's all wrong. He's like, but I promise you, I was like, you were like, nothing will wind you in that spot. And he's like, yeah. dude, he's like, I had deer all around me. Nothing was busting. He's like, that deer came from directly downwind from me. I had no clue I was there. It was just one of those magic spots where it was like, things just work yeah. out you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah i love that man yeah 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 these i think the scent just gets just gets blown away up into the air and probably blows over the top of the ridge and mm-hmm. you know it's, and it, it was a similar kind of setup like you were talking about it was actually just off the like, edge of this like ridge top to where it's like just as the things kind of roll roll down and if you climb i just i think it was just like where i happened to have my stand set because at that yeah. point i was using a climber and i think it yeah. just happened to be like i was just high enough to where there was just a little bit of an opening. And so during the day, like the sun would hit that little opening behind me. And I think it was just taking all my scent and just shooting it straight up behind me, you know? Oh yeah. And that was it. You know what I mean? It's like, and so I was just completely bulletproof, you know, in that, in that spot. So, you know, I wish I had one of those, I wish I had one of those places in every spot that I hunt. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) That's a cool idea with like a little, like, uh, yeah, clearing hot spot behind you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, were you hunting in the evening or the morning? That I was doing all day sits. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so just, I, I wish I just, the, as soon as the sun would come up uh, in the morning, like it didn't take very long for it to hit that, to hit that spot, essentially. Yeah, that's what I'm and it yeah. was hitting, and it would hit the ridge. So it was almost like a spine back to a degree to where it would hit the other side of it, which was making, you know, the wind kind of come up over that side. And I think, my what i was assuming is that the wind was kind of come up over the other side and before it got to like me being on the other side it was just taking everything and shooting it straight up like shooting yeah. it up right and then whenever yeah. it finally got directly overhead it was hitting the spot right behind me heating that all up so now everything was just shooting straight up in the air so yeah. i don't think i was bulletproof 24 7 there but i think the window in which i wasn't was so small you know what yeah. i mean because yeah just to be honest, now that I'm thinking about it, it's like I didn't have deer in the evening come through very often in every direction. It was usually from my, we just call it my east, is usually where they were yeah. coming from. But every other part of the day, they would come from every direction. So that yeah. might have been like the one thing, like the evening as like the sun started to dip, like the last 45 minutes, I might be blown up, you know, to my yeah. west a little bit or whatever. And but yeah, the east, I'm still top. clean, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, but I mean, three quarters of the day, I was bulletproof in that spot, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's and during the rut, you know, it's like you want to be there midday, which was perfect because that was whenever you were the best, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. But man, how yeah. uh, like so after doing this for you know several years, right? Like you're hunting these these islands and stuff like that. Is there is there any specific you know gear that you've come across that you have to have to do this the right to to do it or to do it well or to do it easy? Yeah, I mean, you gotta have a you gotta have a boat of some kind if you're gonna right. you know do some island hopping. 
Um, for anything close, I just use a little a little canoe. Although you kind of run into some issues if you're trying to get a like a hundred and seventy five pound buck out on a little <laughs> a little one person canoe. It's not right, right, not book for that. right, right. Uh, I like I like really really mobile stuff. I mean, I I um, when I was first starting, I had a, just a ton of those super cheap stands, and I would you know I cut like thirty to fifty stand trees in a in a season probably and then shuffle everything around depending Mm -hmm. on on what i was seeing um now i try to be a little more selective and i mean i know i know what i'm doing better so right it's not it's not quite the same um i got a saddle this year i haven't haven't started to really mess around with it but um i think that'll be nice i think that'll be really really help with the access and, and just cut down on weight and noise and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, other stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, I like to, I like to be able to pack everything in pretty efficiently and, uh, you know, like a, just a good clean tight setup. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got a backpack I can, I can, uh, strap my bow to, so I like to have my hands free mm-hmm. and then, you know, a couple of climbing sticks. Um, yeah, you know, pretty standard mobile setup. Yeah. You know, I've got a, lone, got a lone wolf assault. Um, I've got some, some light, light, uh, hawk helium sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. yeah, the kayak yeah, seems to be know. key. Like the, the boat aspect of things seems to be like, if you're, if you're going a little further, like, what are you using for that? Yeah, so I'll, I mean, a lot of the time I'll get I'll get like a friend to okay. to drop off somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, I don't have to worry about you know having the having the boat tied up there or right. Um, you know, kind of kind of that whole whole deal. Oh yeah, because people would be able to see it too. Yeah, people will be able to see it, and then you know, there's kind of like a you know, I think about it as like a like a I don't know like a scent blob, you know? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Some, something unusual that's there on the island um especially if it's if it's one of those islands that that doesn't see people all the time you know it's a pretty pretty distinct um you know uh visual and, and scent yeah 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 exactly but if i can have one you know pull in drop me off and then and then be out of there right. as far as they're concerned you know it's it's safe Just again. boat coming by yeah, yeah 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 and there are a lot of people who you know like i said take picnics or just you know go hop out on the island just to, to see what it's about or right. you know just sightsee stuff like that so that's not uncommon but right. if you were if you were parked there for a while and then you know they couldn't really figure it out that's that's not so good right how much are you having to pay attention to the tide like going in and out for your getting in and out because i have a buddy who hunts like the marshes like around New Jersey and stuff like that. And he's got to pay attention to the tide because, you know, at some points, like some of the places he might hunt like is underwater. And then sometimes like whenever he's ready to leave, like he, he ain't got no water <laughs> like to leave. If he, if he waits too long, you know what I mean? Or the tide's coming in. It's like, I got to leave by this, this time or else I'm going to miss my window and I'm going to be sleeping in the tree tonight type of thing, you know? Yeah. 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 Or, or, you're, you know, dragging your canoe like a hundred yards across a mud flat to, to get to the, get back to the water right um, yeah i like to get there on a high tide i mean mm-hmm. 
just it's just it's just easier you get closer to where you're going um and yeah it kind of lessens any of that like walk um and i mean i guess you know the exits you're probably not going to bump deer you know walking out across a mud flat but it's, it's a pain in the ass and you're going to have right. you know mud and clay all over your boots and you're going to smell but right <laughs> nice. some, of it, some of it has to do with the deer access too i mean i i, I know that they'll you know their travel patterns will change if they've got a little spot that they can cross mm. um that's that's uh you know i wouldn't call it dry but it's not full of water at low tide mm-hmm. and then at high tide you know they have to go all the way up and around um so so that's something you definitely have to account for because they'll cut right across right. if it's if it's not flooded but if it's flooded then they'll they'll take that longer route and kind of use that that pinch that you're right. probably using yeah right what's the uh what's your preferred time of year to hunt to hunt let's go to like the uh the like wilderness island like aspect like what's your favorite time of year to hunt to hunt those um i mean you can hunt you can really hunt them anytime you know i don't i wouldn't want to hunt them into november just for weather reasons mm-hmm. um are they a little but, further you know, they're a little further away those like in, uninhabited yeah, islands yeah yeah, they're a little further away. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not like a. Despite what I do, I'm not a big boat person. Uh, mm-hmm. the, you know, I, I, the ocean can be pretty dangerous. Yeah, uh, I, actually, I, w- I wanted to ask you that. Like, like, have you had some dicey, like, like, oh shit, yeah. this is probably a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you go out when it's, when it's pretty calm, and then you know. Couple hours later, the wind is kicked up, and you know you've got some swells. Mm-hmm. That's that's uh, not the best. And you know I've had some some family members have some scares in in sailboats and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But honestly, I mean, probably like the October lull mm-hmm. is a pretty great spot. You know, great time, um, especially if if the other spots are getting pressured uh, or you know you're not seeing the deer movement um because those outer islands you know they the deer tend to stick to a more more predictable pattern um and if it's a small island you know those food sources are probably more limited so it's a pretty you know they're pretty predictable you know bed to feed and there's just really not really nowhere else they they're gonna go so right uh yeah i like it you know early october honestly yeah is is kind of when I move out to those spots. The weather's still pretty nice. Um, you don't, you just don't have to deal with that sort of October lull, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mix up. And um, yeah, I've had nice. some good, good luck that way. Nice. What's been like the uh, the diciest boat ride to to memory on a, on a hunt? Like, cause I mean, my dicey one was probably not nearly, well, I can promise you it wasn't nearly as dicey as, as your dicey one. There's, I have some water access that's around me and it was kind of like, uh, it's a, it's a lake area. And, um, so no swells or anything like that, but I went in and I looked at the weather before I went in and I was like, Oh, I got a great wind for the spot today. I'm going to hunt this one particular spot. Um, cause I can really only hunt it like on a very specific wind and I got it. And this was like, I want to say it was. I think it was, it was either November or it was late season, like late November, maybe even like early December. 
which obviously is not, you know, you have to be extra careful, especially when it's cold and you're going to be on the water and stuff like that. Right. And I got like a two person kayak. I have a little troll and I treat, I cheat. I got a little trolling motor on it. So I don't have to paddle. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, and I can buzz around and, uh, I got in fine. Like it was a beautiful day. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, it's, I mean, it's cold out, but I was like, oh man, it's beautiful. It's calm. Like there's just, yeah. a little, just enough wind so I can hunt this spot. Right. Like this is going to be awesome. Got in the tree, you know, I think I saw a couple of does or whatever the case was. And then, um, like, you know, maybe like an hour before I'm going to get out of the tree or maybe even like an hour and a half, like the weather, I can see like the clouds start rolling in, like the wind's starting to pick up, you know? And then by the yeah. time I got out of the tree, like I ended up looking at like the weather on my phone just to be like, like what's actually happening. And it went from like, you know, a day where you got like seven to 10 mile per hour winds, you know what I mean? Like perfect day to hunt. Right. To yeah. I've got like 20 to 25 mile per hour winds. Like whenever I'm getting out of the tree to like kayak back to my truck, you know, <laughs> yeah. and like in this water, like, it's not like, you know, it was enough to where I was getting like small white caps on the lake, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. and like, I've got my trolling motor and it's got, I'm giving it all she's got. And I'm like, I don't even know if I'm moving, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I'm yeah. pretty sure like, cause there's, there's a dam, right? So like the dam will open like, and you can see like, and I've figured it out over the years of hunting that like in the morning, it's better to be going one way versus the evening. Cause like the water fl flow changes on it, you know, a little bit. Yeah, and so, yeah. and so I was going against the water flow to begin with for the evening. Like I know how it switches and also like the wind was directly in my face, like on the way yeah. out, you know what I mean? So I was like, what usually takes me like a 20 minute boat ride. It took me like 40 minutes, like 45 yeah. minutes, like to get to like the truck because it was just working against every, like everything, you know what I mean? And I was just like, part of me almost like went just to the other side of the lake to where I could just like, I was just going to park the boat and I was just going to walk through the woods and try to get out to the road and walk around. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Cause I was like, I don't know about this. It's like, cause there was a couple of times where I got a little sideways from the wind where it kind of started blowing me. Oh and yeah. You take a couple of like the, you know, the, 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 the little white caps and you're like, Ooh, this kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much what happened to me. Um, except I had a, uh, but you were in the ocean, you. which is like a whole other level of suck. Yeah, you know, and I had a 170 pound buck in the in the canoe, so <laughs> I only had like about two three inches of board, you know, from oh, the, the gunnel to the water. And yeah, same thing. It'd been dead calm when I went out there, just fucking beautiful day. Um, and then on the you know, I was shot this buck was absolutely elated. Um, you know, it was basically sunset, starting to get dark. Um, so first I was just worried about other boat traffic. I think I had a headlamp, but you know, I was kind of like, I, no one's going to see me out here. Right. If, if someone's coming by fast on a speedboat, like, like that could be dicey. Yeah. Um, but really what, what happened is the kind of like you were saying the the wind was coming in, um, enough to make some small white caps. Um, and really they were, you know, more like perpendicular to the direction that I needed to go. Mm. So, yeah, I was doing that thing where the, the you know the boat was rocking every time a wave would come. At one point, I got out in the middle, and you know a couple slapped the slapped the side of the boat and started to spill into the boat. Oh shit! And you know that's just adding more weight to the situation. I'm like, if I take you know five or six more of those, I we're gonna be in in real trouble. Right. Um, so then I'm just like, yeah, paddling as hard as I can trying to sort of shift my body weight every time one of those waves came to to kind of like get that side up and then go, come down the other side without without 
going too hard and tipping over. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I was like, if I <laughs> if I fuck this up, I'm gonna lose my my boat. I'm gonna lose this really nice buck I just shot. I'm gonna lose my bow. I'm gonna right. like. I'm going to go from, you know, being on top of the world to just like, <laughs> like losing everything. <laughs> absolutely devastated. Yeah. Just right. losing everything. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so, I mean, it worked, it worked out, but it definitely made me kind of think about how to, how to try to avoid that in the future. Cause mm-hmm. that, that would, that would just suck. That would yeah. suck so bad. Yeah. That's really I would have been fine. I mean, I could have, you know, I could have swam, swam it, um, right. but I, I wouldn't be able to swim it, you know, dragging them dragging a buck <laughs> right yeah 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 exactly exactly yeah it's uh man the things we do things we do for i have some buddies you know one guy in particular uh he used to he uh lives up and around the uh adirondacks and uh he used to use water access a ton and he had like one real real bad situation and now he's like no water access anymore Won't he was do it. Like, yeah no he's just like he had one like I don't want to like, you know, be over dramatic, but like for lack of a better way to put it, like a near death experience type of thing where it's like it shit got real, real for him. You know what I mean? And it was like felt lucky to get out of it type of situation, you know, where he was like, mm, I don't need to that. I don't need those bucks that bad. <laughs> is what he yeah, said, yeah. you know, and I was like, eh, it's like there's, you know, so I mean, I try to take I take as many precautions as I can. I mean, I wear a life jacket when I go out, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Um, you know, it is a little dicey. Like in like the, the, like I'm, I feel pretty comfortable like anytime other than like whenever it gets real cold, because that's like, cause then there's nobody out around the water. Cause like a lot of right. times whenever it's warmer out, like there's people out fishing or whatever. It's like, there's now granted a lot of times when I'm coming back at night, like there's nobody out, but like the water's warm, you know, stuff like that. Right. In the winter, you know, like that December time frame, like there's nobody out on the water fishing. So there's nobody out enjoying the water in general. Right. I'm coming back at dark. There's nobody out like even on the roads in general, cause the weather sucks, you know what I mean? Right. And I'm out yeah. in the middle of this, this body of water deer hunting with, <laughs> with my kayak, you know what I mean? Like in the water's like near freezing, you know, it's like, those are the times where it's like, I should maybe just look for walk-in access, but you know, <laughs> uh, I'm not smart enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that gets that gets dicey real fast. Uh yeah. water's water's no joke. But yeah. but I mean it, you know, being out there being out, out there in a boat on like an empty empty lake or empty, you know, yeah, body of water, you know, with the sun going down is like it's just a stunning experience. So. Oh man. Yeah. That's what I say. I'm like the boat adds like just an element of adventure for me. Like, you know, it almost feels like an adventure hunt anytime I get to use the boat. You know what I mean? Like yep. I'm always stoked whenever I get to use it. Then you're right. Like, you know, I always just kind of sit in it whenever I get ready to like shove off from the shore or whatever. And I'm just like, you know, cause I can see all the stars. I'm like, my God, like there's, I don't know why more people don't do this. I'm like, this is just yeah. like, you know, I'm like, look what they're missing. You know what I mean? I was yeah. like, I'm just like in the middle of this body of water and it's like dead calm, especially on like the calm nights whenever I'm coming out, you know, I can hear like the fish jumping, you know what I mean? cranes flapping and you know trying to catch fish or whatever you know what i mean it's just and i'm just like and you just by yourself with your thoughts it's just like a really cool experience you know yeah 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 that makes it that makes it worth it i mean as long as as long as you don't die but yeah exactly uh, (laughs) exactly awesome man well we've been at it here dude for a little over an hour i want to be sensitive to your time before i let you get going though um I'm gonna ask you a quick question that I use, I ask people a lot of times when I end the, end the show, but you have a, you have three tags to fill. 
three buck tags to fill and your life depends on it. And it's got to either be, it's got to be on the islands, right? They got to kill one on the islands, either like the remote, super remote ones or like the close ones, whichever. And, uh, you have to pick three guys to fill those tags, you know, or you're a goner. Who are those three dudes that you're going to have filled those tags? Oh, just out of the, out of the hunting, uh, population. It could be buddies, you know, it could be guys you've never met, but you've heard of, or like, Famous people, dead people, doesn't matter. Like if you had to, if your life depended on three tags getting filled on those islands, who would the who would be those three people? Oh man, um, I mean, probably Andre and Cody DeQuisto. Can't go wrong there. Can't go wrong there. Yeah. Um, and then I mean, Dan Infault. Those are those are sort of my my biggest uh, influences. Nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of hunters around here, kind of mm-hmm. old old timer guys that that uh, that get it done. But mm-hmm. they they're more like um, they're more like rut hunters, okay. like late late season mm-hmm. rut hunters. Um, and I mean, I I respect the hell out of that. But yeah. I like to get it done earlier in the season before it gets super super cold and smart guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I like to get done. <laughs> right right exactly well awesome man i appreciate you coming on uh let people know before you go where they can follow along with you where they can find you on instagram all that stuff and, and check out what you got going on this season cool yeah um island bucks on instagram and um i mean that's that's it that's where i am awesome man well i appreciate you coming on and uh don't be surprised if i show up in uh in maine one of these days yeah man hit me up uh, I'll, I'll i'll put you on something awesome All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, we need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and Genesee Beer. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace microdosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.